0: So we are live back again with James Robert Lay, CEO at Digital Growth Institute. James Robert, how are you doing, man? Good morning. I'm tremendous. How about you, Gray? I'm also tremendous. So how exactly do you phrase it? I was telling somebody about it after the last time we talked. I said, oh, you know, I was just talking. I was talking to uh, Dimmer, to my business partner, Andrew. And I said, James Robert, I got to take this from him. Every single time I talk to him and I I couldn't remember exactly what you said, but it's always like, tell me one thing good or tell me something. What do you, is there a consistent way you phrase it?
1: Yeah. Just tell me something that you're feeling good, that you're positive about. I call it, we we go big or we go home and big is we begin in gratitude. So every day, every meeting, I, I do this with my clients and it really sets a positive tone For the conversation. And it literally just lifts the room, even if it's virtual like you and I are having. So just tell me something good. Tell me something positive, whether it be personal or professional.
0: Right. I love that. My good thing today, I got up at uh, 5 a.m. I've got – I'm coaching high school baseball. So, yeah, this wasn't – sometimes, often that's by choice, but this morning was not by choice. We run um, our off-season pitching and catching. We do that Mm -hmm. in the mornings before school. So – for me, it's not a big deal. I'm a morning person, but we get some of these high schoolers out of bed and get them there by six a.m. so they can throw before school, and everyone loves it. At the end of the day, I hear that every every year there'll be a couple kids who're like, "Coach, this was incredible." Like I hated coming in, and then by the end of the spring, like I loved getting a workout in before school, and uh, and then I just felt like my whole day went better. But um, it went really well this morning. I had uh, very good attendance. This is their first week back with school. Um, so that was great. And what I was saying to Andrew was um, normally I'm by nature, a pretty optimistic person. Um, when I look at situations and stuff, I feel like I'm more of a realist. Most pessimists think that they're just realists, um, right. but I see a lot of the downsides and try and navigate through that. But as far as personal interactions, it's normally pretty positive. But I think maybe why it stood out was last time. I don't even remember why. Maybe it was just a busy, but I was like, I had to think for a second. I was like, why is it taking me a while to think of What's good? So, anyways, I love I love that question. I love that that's a, like that's part of what I you know how we all have certain things that we associate with other people. That's part of my association yeah. with you now is this oh, a awesome. question. What's good Thanks, with you?
1: Man. Good with me. My you talk about kids getting back to school. My kids went back to school today, and um, we we're coming off of a long holiday, uh, Christmas and New Year's. And I want to say, out of the last, I actually went back to the office on monday so it was it two days ago and over that entire period i was offline disconnected i think except for four days uh just kind of popped on checked email but was nothing and that was that was a big thing for me because it was like my kids were off they had an extended vacation i think we counted the days it was like 18 days including weekends. so it's almost almost three weeks, three weeks yeah and, uh, we had a lot of good time together, but now it's, what's that song? It's beginning to look like Christmas whenever they talk about the mom and dad are ready for the kids to go back to school. You know, we have four. And, um, while we had a lot of fun with them, I, I'm excited just to get back onto a quote unquote normal routine and, um, uh, get back into the swing of things. I'm really excited about 2019 for myself, for my family, for my clients. I think it's just going to be a good year. It's going to be bigger and better than last year,
0: for sure. Let's give everyone, because obviously I've got this background, but um, most people do not. So why don't you introduce what you're up to with Digital Growth Institute? Um, You can give a little bit of the history, but kind of just where things are today, what you focus on, all that good stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm the CEO of the Digital Growth Institute, and we are on a mission to simplify digital marketing strategies for banks and credit unions really with an end goal to help them maximize their loan growth, maximize their, and and now with the market, really their deposit growth as rates, deposit rates are going up. And we've been doing this now, I think we're starting our 2002, 2019, this is our 17th year that we've been in business. And it is not the same business today as it was 17 years ago, when I quit my punk rock band and waiting tables to start this company to impress this girl who later became my wife. And now we have four kids together. Uh, we've seen the ups. We've seen the downs. And it's been a roller coaster ride. Uh, obviously more ups than downs. and But I, I think it's I'm, I'm finally 17 years into this just settling down, kind of getting into the groove of things. Not relaxing. But being a lot more intentional with my thinking, with the choices that I make, being um, less reactionary, um, being more proactive and really looking at this is a lot bigger than just me, Digital Growth Institute. It's impacting lives for the banks and the credit unions that we serve because money is stressful. People are looking for someone to guide them beyond that financial stress to a bigger and better future. The banking space is changing with all of this digital disruption, and I think there's still a place for for banks and credit unions to get people to a better future. You know, People are looking for hope, someone that they can trust, and so we're helping these banks, these credit unions with strategies to transform their marketing and do exactly that.
0: That's awesome. You were on, um, and coming up right after you, we've got Pete Caputa from Databox. Uh, oh nice. Who's who's following you? And you were recently talking with Pete on the Data Box, uh, the Ground Up Podcast. Yep. So it was you, Joe Jerome, and and Pete. And you guys dug into in that conversation. You spent a decent amount of time talking about the specific niche that you're in, or vertical, whatever phrase you like to use to describe that. How do you do you care about the semantics?
1: Niche, niche, vertical. Okay. Focus target market. Um sure. I, I I think it's important to have one though, for sure.
0: Yeah. So that has come up a lot in our agency accelerator program, helping agencies, our whole goal is can we take agencies from a state of chaos to a state of confidence? Mm. And a lot of that revolves around mastery. When you were talking about not relaxing now, but you you kind of understand more of what's going on, like those are commonly that type of mindset is commonly associated with mastery. We start to understand this is my sweet spot. And our goals increase substantially, but our stress level diminishes because we know, like, I'm in my sweet spot now. I'm doing what I'm put here to do. Uh, yeah, to do. And that, but selecting a focus is the, there are so many fears that hold us back. from there. What if I pick the wrong one? What if that whole industry that I picked tanks, what if nobody wants what I have? What if I can't deliver for them? Talk real quickly here through, it doesn't have to be real quick. I don't mean to rush you through that, but um, I know that you already, we have a whole podcast we can point people to as well. Kind of highlights, how did you get there? Or how do you, when you're talking to people who struggle with that, what advice do you have for them?
1: I mean, you know, when I first got started back in 2002, it was a web design shop. And we were doing like flash websites with skip intro pages. That's how lo- I mean, it's, it's crazy to think back of the evolution of the internet. We moved past that the business begins to grow. Clients start to ask, Hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do that? And being really young and naive and, and, and I hate to use the word, but it is what it is greedy. I'm, I mean, it was really financially driven. You don't say no, you say Yes. And so you start taking on all of this work that really is outside of your area of focus or expertise. So you have to bring in these people to do a job, to fill a seat, and they get thrown into the mix. There's no training. There's no onboarding for them. And so you, you know, for me personally, 10 years into it, it was 2012. I had this cluster of a business and from the outside, I mean, we were doing very, very well, like, you know, getting all this, the, the awards, the press, the accolades, but inside personally, I was a mess. My marriage was a wreck. And I mean, you talk about P. I talked about how I was re- really on the verge of my wife leaving me. We had a conversation. She said, it's either the business or it's the family. And we had one child at the time. And I'm, it's like you step back and you realize what's important. And I, I think. As an entrepreneur, we have such a unique opportunity to build our life around work, not our work around our life. And um, so I made some tough decisions at the time. And, you know, you start to learn a lot about yourself. And I think that's really a key is self-awareness. The more you can become self-aware, the more that you can kind of dig into your past and why you are the way you are, why you think the way you think. One of the biggest insights for me was taking an assessment called Colby, Mm -hmm. which measures four different parts of the brain. It's the conative part of the brain. And it's really looking at these four different elements of like, how fast are you to start something? How likely are you to follow through? You know, what about working with your hands? And what I found in this assessment is I'm a nine quick start and a two follow through. And that's pretty common trait for an entrepreneur. So what I would find is I'd frustrate people on my team. I'd be starting all of this stuff and then leaving them. And I have an assistant. And and when I hired, I was like, look, your job is to make sure that I don't get myself in trouble. Slow me down a little bit. And so when when focusing on a niche, it was, okay, what are we good at? Looking at the past, doing business with the past. Where do I personally find the greatest value? And then saying, this is what we're going to focus on. And it does. It takes courage because at that time, you're like, I'm giving up all of this other opportunity. It's not opportunity. It's really frustration at that point.
0: Yeah. It's so hard to see making that decision. And I know, and you know, because we both lived through it with the non-focused. The fear is, I don't know yet what I'm absolutely the best at. I don't know yet who I'd love to serve. There's all the unknowns. Anytime we make a commitment, there's unknowns. Anytime you choose to, you know, to commit to one sport, what if there's a competing I, sport or or anything else? I think the, one of the best
1: exercises that I ever did when it came to this, and I literally had this conversation with my wife last night, is what's the worst that could happen?
0: Fear setting and is what Tim Ferriss calls us.
1: Fear setting. Okay, I, I call it like worst case scenario. Yep. Best case scenario. Worst case scenario, if we focused and we went down this path and it just didn't work out, I could go drive trucks or, you know, uh, go wait tables. There's always something you can fall back on. And that's where you almost have to have some type of detachment, um, that your, your personal value is not wrapped up in what you're doing. Um, it complements it, but, okay, worst case scenario, that's it. It's like, if you write that down and that's your worst case, okay, well, what are the odds of that happening? Now on the flip side, the, the alternative, best case scenario, what does that future look like? And when we did this exercise, the best case far outweighed the worst case. And so you have to weigh and measure the two side by side. And it made the, the that decision to focus To not only focus on the industry, which you already had expertise at the time, but it was really kind of saying goodbye and saying no to all these other services. You know, we were a full service firm at the time doing everything, not for everyone, but it was what's the worst that could happen. And when you when you make peace with that, it makes it so much easier just to go forward.
0: Right. That's awesome.
2: Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Agency Journey. I'm Andrew. I'm a co-host here on the podcast, and I'm a founder of Zen Pilot. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love a five-star review and a comment on where you're listening from and what you're getting out of this podcast. You could drop that over on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you're listening to the podcast today. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get the updates as they come out. And if you want to engage with other agency owners that are enjoying this podcast, join our community. Head over to agencyjourneyinsiders.com. It's going to take you to our special private Facebook group, a collection of owners from around the world who are on their own journey to build their own agency. So head over to agencyjourneyinsiders.com. Join the group today. And if you're at a point where you're ready for some help and you want to implement processes and systems to scale your agency you can head over to zenpilot.com free training. And there you can watch a special 19-minute training presentation where we walk through the exact process that we use at Zenpilot to help agencies implement processes and systems so they can scale their business without reinventing the wheel for every client. And that allows agency owners to pull out of the weeds and spend more time working on their business. So hope you're enjoying the content here today. We'd love it if you join our community. And we can't wait to hear where you are in your agency journey. Now back to the show.
0: I'm going to ask you one more question before we move into some of the key takeaways that you had from from last year in business here as we're moving into the new year. And that, this is uh, a question from Dan, which is what exactly do you do for your clients marketing-wise or business-wise? And this kind of tees you up for the way that your business has pivoted. But tell yeah. a little bit about the service offering and how you've kind of reframed From being like, uh, we're full services to we provide, like we solve this specific pain for you. You really transition from being kind of thinking about the services that you offer to like, these are the, we solve these problems really effectively for this specific type of people.
1: So if you look at our operating model, there's really four different areas. There's digital marketing training that informs digital marketing strategy, the thinking. That informs the doing, the implementation that then we pause to review and reflect on progress. So analytics where our area of focus continues to shift and even hone in more. It is around the training and it is around the strategy piece of our clients business. And so with our clients, they typically have a marketing team who does not have the level of digital marketing expertise required to generate more leads, more loans, more deposits, more business, if you will. And so it's no harm, no foul. Digital has changed so fast that we come in and we assess the situation. Um, We provide them with recommendations and a path forward, the strategy, and then we support them through the implementation of that strategy in one of three ways really the optimal the ideal way is to have their team educate their team empower their team elevate their team to implement that strategy with ongoing guidance coaching advisory if they have a capability or capacity gap we can then pull external resources from people that we've worked with either with a team that we have here or with other third party providers that we know will do a good job and we oversight that, or we take everything on internally for the short short term, and we're very, very clear about that, we'll set the foundation and then transfer that over to them almost like a jumpstart so that they're not losing time and momentum. So implementing the strategy on their behalf with the knowledge that we're gonna move this back over and empower their team And it's really about what I call three or four different areas. It's education through training and strategy, uh, empowerment through the strategy, elevating them through the implementation, and then really expanding the opportunity through the reflection and the review of the progress that they're making.
0: Right. That's awesome. We might circle back to the third party relationships that you have at some point, because that's a really powerful concept that most agencies, really most business types, uh, (laughs) completely is. We understand that mastery comes from being focused. We're going to be much faster to master something if we focus on a smaller set of stuff to master. But we also understand that clients have real needs. And so the temptation, because we don't have people we trust, is I don't have a better solution, so I'll just take it on myself. Or we're, we're scrambling for marginal dollars to be made on services that we really shouldn't be providing.
1: And I think that's kind of the crux of where I see things going. I might be jumping ahead, so feel free to to pause me. No,
0: yeah, let's but, go there now.
1: So you look at the the the, the training of the education, the strategy, the doing, and the review and the reflection. Is four distinct elements of this model. It's the doing part that I see both agencies getting stuck in. All of the doing and the deliverables—that's what they sell. But that's the same exact thing that I see clients getting stuck in, is the doing. And so where we're getting brought in, it's to help stop, pause, think, reflect, and then this is where we can go next. And to me, that creates so much more value than the doing it for one reason and one reason only. It's commoditization. You know, we're we're continuously looking at different technology platforms. And I don't care if you're in the web or video or SEO, ads, PPC. Five years ago, I would have said you're crazy. Web is always, you know, you're always gonna need someone to design and implement websites. Yes and no, we're seeing that changing continuously. The same thing with ads. It's where the value is created, it is it is really through the thinking of how to apply these insights. Um, And I think for an agency in the future, it has to be insight driven. It has to be rooted in research, whether it's with your clients or with the market, and then give those insights away. And then when a client comes to you and says, I have a problem, it looks like you can help me. That's where you apply the insights to their unique situation.
0: You nailed it. We have it so backwards. So many of us do. Like you get what do you get valued for? You get valued for what you get paid for. Yep. And if you sell off of we'll go, like you give away all the strategy and you charge for the deliverables, like you've got it completely wrong. And I understand it's hard to we, we need to flip our mindset. Yep. I think
1: we have to elevate the level and the role of marketing, whether you're at an agency or you're on the client side. Marketing has been devalued for far too long. I hear my clients complain all the time that they're viewed as kids that literally play with paint and crayons. They're a cost center. CEOs, we know, don't trust marketing. And it makes perfect sense because up to this point of digital, it was very hard to quantify activity and result. But now we can tie activity to result. And so everything that we do has to be tied back to some level of growth beyond vanity metrics.
0: Yeah, for sure. So let's look at, you just finished off a good year. You're gearing up for a bigger year. What are the? What are a couple of the big takeaways? And I, actually, I'm going to pause here because you sent me, I sent you like, hey, here's a couple of things that we're thinking about framework-wise for these conversations that we're having. And you sent me back this email. That's like 1,400 pages long. Here's all the things. Here's all the things that you learned. And I loved it. I was like, we are not going to get through all this stuff. And this is amazing. It's a stream of consciousness. Do you mind? I'm scrolling through it right now to see if there's anything that you might mind. But I'm going to just ask you. Do you mind if if we take a screenshot of that and put it in the the group? No, go for it. That's awesome. This is really good. And we'll do that after because I want people to hear you explain it first, not just obviously those that's your stream of consciousness. So I do this all the time. You put something down, and if someone was to look at it without any context, I really have no clue what Gray's talking about. Um, So to hear to hear it explain is more helpful. But walk us through let's start with that, with a couple of your main takeaways from last year. What did you learn in 2018?
1: We've already kind of hit on a few of them. And just to quickly recap, I mean a lot of it is like we have the ability to create our own future and it's like either we're gonna be intentional about that and plan our day, plan our week, plan our month, plan our business, or our day, our week, our month, our business is going to own us. I read a really good book, I've actually sent it out to some of my clients, so one of the things I've got away from is sending out like Christmas gifts and Christmas cards to clients, it gets lost in the shuffle, what I wait for is after the new year is I send my clients one of my favorite books from the previous year saying, hey, happy new year, looking forward to making 2019 bigger and better together. By the way, this is one of my favorite reads of 2018. I hope it finds and creates a lot of value for it like it did for me. And one of those books was about the idea that we can control our environment. We must control our environment, even all the way down to like, the use of our cell phone. So there's been a lot of intentionality around the environment, around like even mindset, because I really believe that when it comes to our future growth, mindset's about 80% of it. It's not about talent. It's not about capability. It's about like, do we see something bigger for ourselves? Do we see something bigger for our clients? And so that's where I, I feel like We as agency owners slash consultants, advisors, however you want to frame us, we have to take care of our mental health. We have to take care of our physical health. Those two are very, very connected. And that is really what is going to propel us forward, I think, even beyond kind of just the doing of what we're doing. Because I think you mentioned that what we do is hard. And some of the things that you're encouraging your clients to do, it's scary. take care of your physical health, take care of your mental health.
0: It is. I think anything you had, one of the things that you put down there was, you said something about simplify before you scale. Yes.
1: If you look at the business, and this is something like, it's almost like a yearly exercise because I think, and it's about intentionality, naturally we add complexity to our lives. The faster we live, the more kids we have, Um, the more employees that we bring on, the more service offerings that we bring into our business, but, but it's the, it's that 80, 20 rule, like how much are these new things really creating value for our organizations? And if it's not, let's take them out because why would we want to multiply or scale our business, grow our business with all of this complexity? It's just going to multiply the problems and the frustrations. So that's where I I think, you know, every year now, since I've kind of gone through this transition, it was five, six years ago, I come back and I look what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. And so work on the business, not in the business. And you hear that a lot, but it's, you have to make that a habit. It's hard to do.
0: We are so good as entrepreneurs at adding stuff on and we're horrible at Saying no or removing things after the fact. The thing, and usually it's a, it's not a conscious decision of I'm intentionally going to drop this. Yes, it's a good thing, but I'm going to drop it because there's a better thing I'm going to do. It's usually just a, it just gets dropped. It never really. We never we we fail to make the decision to say I'm gonna. We just avoid it. And that requires, it's really
1: courage, courage to say no, courage to walk away you talked about as, as entrepreneurs, it's really about being mindful. You know, there's that old saying, your thoughts become your beliefs, your beliefs become the words that you speak, the words that you speak become your actions. But I think where I add an extra step in there, your actions become your habits and your habits become your predictable future. And the only way that you're going to break free from that cycle is to just stop review and think about where you've been, where you're at today, and where you want to go next. And that is the essence, in my opinion, I know everyone has a different definition of strategy, but that's the essence of strategy. Strategy is really about figuring out what we're not going to do, as opposed to this is what we we are going to do, because that's the harder decision is what we're not going to do. That's a great point.